0: Well, if you haven't been with us, we're in a series called Life in the Spirit, and the premise of the series is that there is a vast and crucial difference between a morally restrained heart and a supernaturally changed heart. And so there's a difference between someone who is trying really hard to be good and someone who is being supernaturally changed by the Holy Spirit. And we're looking in the series at Life in the Spirit, and we've been seeing the fruits of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit, if you want to think about them this way, these are marks of a supernaturally changed heart. And so uh, Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits, and uh, these fruits of the Spirit that we're looking at, these are traits, these are virtues that are marks of a supernaturally changed heart. When the Spirit of God comes in a person, love and joy and peace and patience comes out. And so we're looking at each one of these virtues to kind of see if they're in our lives and and uh, to see if God is changing us. And we've, we've looked at love, we've looked at joy, we've looked at peace and patience. And today we're going to look at the fruit of gentleness. Fruit of gentleness. Or another uh, translation uh, is the fruit of meekness. Meekness and gentleness. Now I think that gentleness is probably one of the least desirable and the least desired virtues. Uh, both outside of the church and inside of the church. And I think about my own life, I've, I've spent a lot of time praying for love and for joy and for peace and even patience, but I haven't spent a lot of time praying for gentleness. And maybe the problem is, is that in our language, in our culture, uh, gentleness sort of conveys a lack of something, you know, a lack of vigor, a lack of courage, a lack of, of strength, and, you know, nobody is, is cheering for the gentle football team, right? <laughs> nobody's, nobody's voting for the gentle political candidate. It's probably not one of the top traits that you're looking for in a potential employee. And so what about you? If you were to create, you know, nine virtues that you wanted to develop in your life, would gentleness be one of them? Would gentleness be one of the things that you were looking for as something that might characterize you? Would you feel happy if, if one of the main things that somebody thought about you when they met you was, boy, that person is really gentle? You see, we learn from an early age that respect is given to the overachiever, to the singularly focused, you know, to the strong, the brilliant, the successful. You know, and to, and to, you know, to win at life, you gotta be able to scrap, right? You gotta, sometimes you gotta be a bulldog. And to be honest, you know, gentleness almost seems a little bit frail, a little bit meek, a little bit weak. And you might be saying, you know, gentleness, are you serious? You know, come on, you know, do you know what people do in this world to gentle people? Gentle people get laughed at, gentle people get made fun of, they get passed over. But most of all, gentle people often get ignored, so many of us may not be thinking gentleness is something that we want in our lives. You, know, you think about the, the novels that we read, and you think about all the heroes in these novels or these movies. I mean, what hero is meek and gentle? You know, I'm, I'm reading uh, Harry Potter now, and Harry Potter, the things that, that marks him is courage. And there's another uh, character in the book. His name is Neville. And Neville just kind of you know, sounds sort of weak and frail. And he's very gentle, this character. Uh, the dictionary, dictionary, dictionary.com, describes gentleness in this way. Gentleness is docile, overly compliant, spiritless, yielding, or tame. You know, the, here's, here's a Webster's Dictionary, defines ge- gentleness this way. It is a mild, deficient in courage, submissive, and weak. Gentleness Right? And so it's not one of the things that we're, most of us are, are really looking for or praying for or even wanting in our own lives. And it's because it sounds like weak, it sounds like frail, it doesn't sound like courage. But there's a reason in the Bible that when you read through all of the New Testament, you look through the pages of the New Testament, the command to be gentle is everywhere. There's a reason why in, in Philippians 4, 5 it says, Let your gentleness be known to all. There's a reason when you look at the life of Jesus, that the one time that Jesus describes himself, the one time that Jesus self identifies with a certain characteristic, what does he say? He says, I am gentle and lowly. And so today we're going to look at gentleness, and I'm going to argue that it is something incredibly valuable. And it should be something that we should, of all things, uh, look for in our own lives and pursue in our own lives. And so uh, in order to do that, I want to ask three questions. Number one, uh, gentleness. We're going to ask, number one, what is it? Why do we need it? And then thirdly, how do we get it? So three things. Number one, uh, we'll, we'll ask the question, what is gentleness? Because Paul says here that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and the fruit of the Spirit also is gentleness. Now, like I said, the word in Greek, it's it's the word praetes, and the word in Greek is used both for gentleness and meekness. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, you remember when Jesus in the Beatitudes said, blessed are the meek. That is the word praetes. And uh, it's it's also, uh, it's the same word that Paul translates gentleness here. And so these are synonyms. When Paul uses the word uh, gentleness and meekness are the exact same thing. And it's important to realize that gentleness, first and foremost, is not weakness at all. It's the furthest thing from it. Uh, In fact, when when you look at the the word uh, in in Greek, it really is associated with strength and power. So uh, the the word, originally it was used of a domesticated animal, and uh, especially beasts of burden. And so when you looked at a a great stallion that's been tamed and bridled, the, the word that you'd use to describe that stallion is the word gentle. Or you look at an ox you know, that's plowing in the field. The word that you describe the ox is, is gentle. That's the same Greek word. Now you might be saying, well, I don't, want to, that's not any, I don't want to aspire to be an ox, right? But think about an ox. An ox is incredibly powerful, incredibly strong. But the thing about it is its power is, is harnessed and directed. So the definition of gentleness is power under control. Power under control. One of the best uh, definitions is by Gary Thomas. He puts it this way. Gentleness is a strong hand with a soft touch. It is a tender, compassionate approach to others. Weakness and limitations. A gentle person still speaks truth, sometimes even painful truth, but in doing so, guards his tone so that the truth can be well received. It's the strong hand, not the weak one, that must learn to be gentle. And so there it is. Weakness is power under control. Weakness is, is a strong hand with a gentle touch. Weakness is strength channeled through humility and love. And so, we, uh, uh, gentleness and meekness has more to do with power than weakness. And this is when this is why you know I tell my son Luke, who's seven years old, when he's uh, when he's playing with his son Micah, who's two years old. I always say, Luke, be gentle. Why? It's because, because Luke, it's precisely because he has power to really hurt Micah that I've got to tell him to be gentle. And kids really need to learn this, don't they? When I was a boy, I had a little cat named Squeezy. You want to know how he, the little cat got the name? When the, the little kitten was a, uh, was a baby, I would squeeze that thing like a bottle of ketchup. And I almost killed it, so we called it Squeezy. Gentleness is learning how to be careful with the weaknesses and limitations of others. It is learning how to channel your strength through humility and love. It's not weakness at all. In fact, it's it's an awareness of your power. It's an awareness of your ability and learning how to channel it so that you don't damage other people with the power you've got. Let me give you another illustration. You know, I want you to picture in your mind a garden hose. And you know on the garden hose, they have these little nozzles, you know, that you can put to different settings, you know, to kind of adjust the, the, the way the, the water comes out and the, the dispersion of it and all. Now, when you're, when you're watering delicate tropical flowers, you don't set that thing to jet mode. You put a mister on it. Because there's nothing wrong with water, it's, it's the way it's dispersed. And if, if the water is dispersed in the right way, at the right amount, at the right time, it's gonna help that plant grow and flourish. And this is gentleness, this is meekness, it's power channeled through humility and love. It's learning how to treat the weaknesses and limitations of others delicately. One example in the Bible of, of gentleness is from, uh, you remember Joseph, Joseph and Mary in the Christmas story? remember Joseph, uh, you know, Mary got pregnant. And as far as Joseph, 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 he liked juice. Uh, Joseph knew uh, Mary, you know, she was pregnant out of wedlock. And she said, hey, it was the Holy Spirit. Well, you know, I mean, Joseph didn't know. And in that culture, it would have been just fine for for Joseph to publicly humiliate his wife. But what did he do? He sought to quietly put her away. He sent to gently, divorce her. This is meekness. What he could have done was humiliate her, but what he did is he, he channeled this power that he had, the social power, through humility and love. And gently, quietly, he sought to put her away. Well, later on, he found out that it was the Holy Spirit, and so he didn't. But Joseph was very gentle, and this is what it looks like. Are you a gentle person? You see, because here's the point. All of us, whether we know it or not, carry around an incredible amount of power. You know, maybe it's physical power, like maybe you're just a big dude. <laughs> you know, you've got this physical power that you carry around. Or maybe it's, you know, maybe you, you're a boss or you've got some sort of authority and, and you know, you're, you're, you've, got a, and you've got this power over people. Every single one of us have words that we use. And our words have incredible power to heal or to wound. And so the point is, all of us carry around incredible power whether we know it or not. And what, gentle, what gentleness is, and this is why it's so crucial, is you're learning how to control the power. You're learning how to filter the power through humility and love. You're putting the mister on so that you don't damage the weakness and limitations of others. This is what it looks like to be gentle. And notice this is, not, this is a fruit of the Spirit. This is not a natural quality. You know, some of you are just sweethearts. Some of you are, you have a quiet and gentle spirit. This is your Myers-Briggs. This is how you are naturally. But the, the, this is a fruit of the spirit. This is a supernatural ability. This is a power that, that we get from God that, to, to have self-control over, over the things that we bring into the world and into our relationships. And so this is what it is. Do you have it? Meekness, gentleness, well, let's ask the second question, which is why do we need it? Why do we need this? Why is gentleness and meekness so crucial in our lives? Why does the New Testament you know, have it all, why is the command to be gentle all over the pages of the New Testament? Why is this so crucial? Well, it's because in the New Testament, one of the things that God is, is concerned about is relationships. This is the church. The church is God bringing together people uh, into a community. Christianity is never anything that you do on your own. Christianity is never anything you do in isolation. Christianity is always about developing and uh, and, and building and forging relationships. This is the church. And in order to have harmonious, healthy, flourishing relationships, you need gentleness. Gentleness is the fuel that propels good, healthy, strong relationships. And let me think about it uh, let me just count all the different ways we, we need this in our relationships. Think about marriage. Think about marriage. How, do, how much do you need gentleness in a marriage relationship? You know, you, you've got cr- tremendous power in your spouse's life. You know your spouse's secrets. You know your spouse's weaknesses. You know your spouse's limitations more than anybody else. And your words have the power to damage your spouse more than probably anybody else in your life. And healthy, strong marriages happen when spouses decide to be gentle with that power. When spouses decide to to channel that power through humility and love. They don't go at each other and and, and bring all of the, you know, the, uh, the artillery into this relationship. You are channeling this power through humility and love. You need it for marriage. You need that restraint in order to get along with somebody that you're married to. You also need it for parenting. Think about how much you need gentleness in a parenting relationship. You you look at your kids, your kids are so delicate, your your kids are so fragile. And think about the authority and the power you have in your child's life. And you know, it's so interesting, when you read books on parenting, whether secular or or religious or Christian, you know, all of these these, uh, books agree that what you need to parent well is gentleness. All these books are going to tell you that if two kids are screaming at one another, it's not helpful to enter into that fight with the same level of volume and intensity. And this is my tendency, frankly. The kids start fighting with one another, and and what do I I start getting mad? And so I'll jump into that, and I start yelling louder than they they are. Stop it! What are you doing? Quit it! Why can't you get along? But my wife is a lot different. In fact, my wife is probably way more qualified to preach this sermon than than I am. And what does she do? She she enters into that, she sees the feud and all the yelling going on, and she will quietly bring the child into the next room, and she will get down on his level and put her hand on his shoulder. And she will whisper, she'll look them in the eye and she'll whisper in their ear, you kids are driving me crazy. I'm just kidding. In, in, our, in our better moments. In our better moments, what do we do? We, we, we go into this this, uh, this intensity and this anger and we diffuse it with our gentleness. You know, you need you need to channel your, your power through humility and love in order to parent children well. Do you see how crucial this is for family relationships? this idea of meekness and gentleness. But we also need it for relationships in the church. Think about relationships within the body of Christ. One of the things that we're told to do is bear with one another. Uh, Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3, these are both passages that say, uh, you know, inside the church, one of the things we need to do to foster healthy community is we need to learn how to bear with one another. You know, there are people in the church that frankly you disagree with. There are people in the church that hurt you. There are people in the church that wound you. And what Paul says is on some level, you just need to learn to bear with one another. And in both passages, the key trait that is needed in order to bear is this trait of gentleness, meekness. I'm gonna channel my anger through humility and love. Martin Luther said the opposite of gentleness is unbridled anger. Letting it go, letting all the emotions go, just letting it out, unloading on a person, but gentleness is fusing that through humility and love. You need it to bear with one another. We need it in the church in order to restore one another. Uh, Look at uh, just one chapter over, Galatians uh, chapter six. Paul sort of applies gentleness to a situation in the local body. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, Keeping watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And so, in the church, in order to restore one another, we need gentleness. You know, the church is is not a museum for saints, but a hospital for sinners. And all of us, at one time or, or another, find ourselves caught in a sin. You know, we find ourselves stuck, and what we need in that moment is for somebody who loves us enough to tell us the truth. You see, gentleness is not refusing to tell somebody hard truth. In the church we do, we speak the truth, and we've got to confront one another because all of us find ourselves caught in sin at one time or another in this life. And so we need to speak the truth, and we need to confront one another so that we can repent. But in order to do this well, we need to speak the truth in gentleness. Paul, Paul says you need to restore that brother with gentleness. And we all know what it's like when we're stuck in a sin and somebody comes at us with anger or judgment. And it doesn't help, it hurts. And it doesn't heal us, it breaks us. And so, in order to restore one another well, we've got to come in and we need to speak the truth, but we need to sp- kind of clothe it in gentleness. With hum- you know, we've got to put the mister on and channel this, this truth through humility and love. So we need it in marriage. We also need it in the church to bear with one another and restore one another. You know, gentleness is, does, does not mean that we don't speak the truth to one another, but that we speak it through the mister of humility and love. Also, when you look at the church, uh, gentleness is leaded, needed for church, for leaders. You know, this, uh, one of the things I'm reading in my personal devotions is First uh, Timothy. And one of the things I'm noticing is that Paul tells Timothy, who's a young pastor, over and over again, he says, Timothy, I want you to be gentle. Pastors, in order to pastor well, need to be gentle. And you think about the Apostle Paul, who is just an amazing pastor. Uh, there was one point where... Um, he goes to a church, and he says, I was gentle among you like a nursing mother is gentle with her babies. You think about Paul. Paul was like a little bulldog. <laughs> he was so brilliant, and he could argue anybody under the table. And he, was, he, he had no fear, this guy, but he would, went into this church, and with all this power, he channeled it through humility and love, and he says, I was gentle among you like a nursing mother with, a, with her babies, So pastors need to be gentle. We also need gentleness in order to share the gospel. Uh, First Peter says this, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So here's what Paul says. He says, look, you need gentleness to share the gospel. You know, in order to, to, to engage with the culture well, In order to interact with non-believers well, we need to have gentleness. What non-Christians need to see from from us is this ability to channel the truth, the power of the truth, through humility and love, don't they? You know, the Bible says we are the light of the world. But somehow, you know, I don't think that means that we're like a 10,000 watt mag light. You know, light has the power to blind, and it also has the power to bring illumination. And when the truth is brought through us in a spirit of gentleness, humility, and love, when it's channeled through a mister of gentleness, it is incredibly attractive. One of my favorite uh, pastors is Tim Keller. And Tim Keller, he's, uh, uh, you guys, if you're here, if you've been here for any length of time, you, think, you probably think, Brent, you like Tim Keller a little too much, <laughs> Stop quoting him, Brent. But uh, Tim Keller, the thing that I love about him is he's brilliant, and he can argue for the faith, but he is so humble. And he's able to do it in such a way that's so unassuming and so gentle that even the the most ardent atheist can listen to him and even hear what he's got got to say. And what if with our friends and our neighbors, our coworkers and the people that live next to us, we were able to be Christians. We were able to present the truth with gentleness and respect. Where we go in not picking a fight, but rather looking for common ground. Not going in wanting to talk and yell and argue, but going in wanting to listen. This is the mister, this is the gentleness that we need, and this is so important. And so, what is Gentleness. Uh, number one, gentleness is power under control. It is, it is strength directed and channeled. Why do we need it? Well, we, we've seen why we need it. We need it for marriage. We need it for parenting. We need it in the church. We need it for evangelism. I mean, imagine if we as the church were just a group of humble, meek, gentle people. Imagine how powerful that would be. But let's ask the third question, which is how do we get humility? Or uh, gen- uh, what am I talking about? <laughs> gentleness, meekness, how do we get it? How do we come to possess this vital virtue of gentleness? Of all the virtues, I mean, all the, all, from, from all the virtues, none of it happens by sheer willpower, but I think this one more than any other is caught rather than taught. Like more than any other, this one is not obtained through sheer willpower. You know, I'm going to get gentleness if it's the last thing I do, right? That's not how you get gentleness. So how do we get it? Gentleness is caught through seeing and experiencing the gentleness of Jesus. Think about God. God above, above all else. I mean, when you look at him in the Bible, it seems like God is gentle, you know here's this world god looks down on this world of oppression and and violence and injustice and anger and god created the world why did god create the world god created the world in order to love and live in harmony and justice and peace but when he looks down he sees us fighting and devouring one another running away from one another running away from him and hurting one another killing one another and if I were God, I would look down into that situation and what would I want to do? I'd want to get angry. I'd want to look down and up the volume, right? I'd want to come in there and yell and be angry with the same intensity that all, all my creation was getting at each other with. But what does God do? God stoops down. He comes down to our level. And he funnels his power into a life of humility and love in the person of Jesus. Jesus Christ is God's expression of meekness. And Jesus had no shortage of power, did he? I mean, here's the guy who told storms to be quiet and they obeyed him. Here's the guy that when he was walking through a crowded street, a woman touched his garment and was healed. And he said, you know, power has gone out of me. Here is the man that in the garden the night before he was crucified, the soldiers came to take him away and, and he said, I am he, and they all fell backwards. And yet Jesus Christ channeled this power through humility and love. That same night, he took up a basin of water and a towel and he took the position of a slave and he washed the feet of doubters, cowards, deniers, and betrayers. And on the cross, Jesus, in a tremendous demonstration of meekness and gentleness, lays down his life, pays the price for our sins. Jesus. uh, One day, somebody, uh, the you know, people were all around him, and you remember Jesus. He, like I said, he identified himself as me. He stood up and he said, "Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." Jesus says, "I am gentle." You know, these are the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are the very life of Jesus. Jesus displays for us gentleness, and he is God in human flesh. Charles Spurgeon talks about Jesus' gentleness this way. He said, Such was his gentleness that when he might have shaken the earth and rocked the thrones of tyrants and made every idol God totter from its blood-stained throne, he put forth no such physical power but stood with melting heart and tearful eyes, inviting sinners to come in. He used no lash but his love, no battle axe but his grace. And so Jesus was meek, and Jesus was gentle. He was power under control. And we become gentle by experiencing his gentleness. We see it, but also in salvation, Jesus Christ comes near and he forgives us and he loves us and he shows us his kindness. Instead of coming at us and yelling and screaming, he forgives and he draws us close. And as you experience the gentleness of Jesus, you become like him. And so Jesus, Jesus says, the, This is the mark of a supernatural, this is what Paul says, this is a, the mark of a supernaturally changed heart. And so I want to end today by just asking you to look at your own life. Look at your own life. All of us have incredible power, whether you know it or not. Every single one of us has has, you know, some sort of authority over somebody in our lives. Every single one of us has words that we use on a daily basis. And here's the question, are you channeling that power? Are you using the mister on the strength that you have? Are you a source of healing and encouragement and nourishment to others in your life through gentleness You know, this is not weakness. This takes incredible power. And what Paul is saying here is that the power of God has come into your life. Meekness himself has come to dwell inside of you, to give you the power, to give you the ability, and to transform you supernaturally so that you more and more look less and less angry and less and less hurtful and more and more gentle. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for... Uh, this passage, you, you speak to us about this quality that was so evident in Jesus and, and Lord, this thing that's so necessary for, our, for all of our relationships, marriage, parenting, church, everything. Evangelism. God, it is power under control. It is strength filtered through humility and love. We pray that you would develop that in our lives. We pray that tomorrow as we go to work, Lord, that you would use us, God, in that environment to d- demonstrate this powerful virtue. God, we pray in our families and our parenting, God, that you would hel- help us to cool down. Lord, that you would enable us to bridle our emotions and think before we speak. God, we pray that as we restore one another, as we speak the truth to one another, that you give us the ability to do it with such incredible gentleness, God, that we could be agents of restoration and healing. God, we pray that you bless this community. I pray that we corporately would be able to demonstrate this quality of gentleness. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.